And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Plus minus. Tim Kawakami deserves all the credit. Plus minus. That is a word right there. (laughs) (laughs) What'd you say? Plus minus. Yeah, like like you, Marcus Thompson. Marcus always tell the truth. Plus minus. The only thing that I would say to Ethan Strauss is that he's a pretty damn good reporter. Um, he's well plus minus. I think he got the highest plus minus in the season in NBA history. Welcome back to Warriors Plus Minus. This might be the most positive episode of the entire season after Tim Kawakami, Anthony Slater, and Ethan Strauss spent weeks talking about the mediocrity of the Warriors. They have gone on a four-game winning streak, dethroned the Utah Jazz and Phoenix Suns, and now they must give account. Speak for yourselves. Apologize to Dub Nation, you harbingers of mediocrity. Wait, they dethroned? I was going to go there, too. <laughs> they, they dethroned the Utah Jazz. <laughs> dethroned the Utah Jazz. They are no longer have the shine of a number one seed after what the Warriors did to them. They've been kicked off of those mountains in in Utah. They are no longer atop their pedestal. They've been replaced by the newly wealthy Juan Toscano Anderson, which I'm sure we will get into. I feel like we had to lean in, though, because Ethan basically wrote how Warriors Plus Minus has been ripping the Warriors and calling them average, and now we kind of got to go overboard because, you know, Ethan was hating in in this column. I like referencing our episodes because I do think to a certain extent we work out our thoughts on the team. And so I, I like referencing them in the articles, but I'm not resisting the positivity right now. Um, I think it's pretty cool. It's fun to watch. They did win by a very small margin against the Suns. I kind of wonder what happens if Steph doesn't hit. You know, you wonder what happens if some bounces go the other way, if we're talking in this in this manner. But I do believe a lot of it will be dependent on the matchup, so they do think this team can punch above its weight in a playoff setting. I mean, that's the main thing. We know the matchups. It's Utah or Phoenix. I don't think they'll beat either, personally. Let me say what I mean by that specifically. I don't know who's playing for Utah or how healthy, and that makes a big difference. So I have an idea of Phoenix. Utah, I'm not so sure. I think between the two, and we can get into it, I probably want to go to Utah just based on that uncertainty. But... I do think this team can be better in a playoff setting than they were in the regular season. And maybe we're going to sound like we're totally disavowing what we said before about how average, how mediocre, all the problems, all the flaws. Maybe I'm going to sound that way, but I do look at the the postseason setting and I do say to myself, I'm not favoring them against those teams should they make it through the play-in crucible, but I don't think they should be scared of those teams. I don't think it'd be an upset that would be considered a greater upset than what the Warriors did to Denver in 2013. Is that crazy? Am I talking crazy? Am I I a prisoner of the moment? I do think if they get through the play-in, I actually think that if they match up with the Lakers, that's a tougher one-game setup, whatever, than than 
than getting through to play Phoenix would be. I think Utah will be tough if they're healthy. Plus, playing in Utah, we know how tough that can be. But if they get through, you know, I, I, I think Phoenix is... They play Frank Kaminsky. I'm just watching that game going, this is a number two seed that's playing Frank Kaminsky. They'll probably end up playing Sarge. Someone said that he's ahead of Sarge. Someone's like, that, like, and I'm sure they're like, you know, who knows for that position. But, man, he's been playing a lot down the stretch. And that is not a good look for a number two team. A guy who, what, the Kings discarded from early in the season? They've got some holes there, is what I'm saying. They, they've got some things that I think that are a little tricky. They've got some really good players. I think Utah, if just one of Conley or Mitchell is available, is just going to be too tough. They're going to be too tough for a lot of people. But I think, let's talk about the Lakers. If they end up playing the Lakers, I think that's a really tough one for the Warriors. That's really tough. Not only that, I think because they just beat Utah and Phoenix, people are too easily glossing over the team that matters more than the Lakers, the team that is really um, the impediment. Yes, Memphis. Memphis is here Sunday. They have Jaron Jackson back. He's starting. They have the and they're best. Playing well. off, they have the best offensive rebounder in basketball, Jonas Valashunas. They have a tricky style for the Warriors, both sides, by the way. I mean, like the Warriors are present very tough matchup with with a young, mostly a young perimeter defense that that hasn't faced Steph Curry like I would favor the Warriors they have to win that game to even get on the good side of the play-in or else they're in a thorny situation Memphis might be a tougher matchup in this setting than Phoenix was you know just just because of just because of what's writing and just the matchups I agree Memphis is going to be a tough game for them yeah it's all small sample size too so even if you favor them there's a chance that you only make one out of every fifth three-pointer you take right so yeah you can't look past it I, I I agree with that I think Marcus are you with us that yes favored over Memphis but you can't take anything for granted in that small sample size what happened to this Warriors positivity? What happened to oh, dethroning of teams? What happened to where they're going to the NBA Finals? Like, you guys have already, like, they, they go on this great streak. They win without Steph Curry balling. And already you're talking about how much better Memphis is. You guys need to be ashamed of yourselves. <laughs> it was a good point till you straw till you straw manned us. It was a good point until that exact moment. By the way, you know we're talking like if they lose to Memphis, they're not out of the playoffs. They're just in a lower bracket in in the play-in. So you know I, you don't want to think like oh god they're out they lost to Memphis. They're in the play-in. It's just what positioning they're going to be in the play-in, and you know what they have to start on the road. They start at home. Whatever. What it really is, is that game Sunday is deciding who gets the free swing at the Lakers and who gets the home game if, you know, you lose to the Lakers. You know, if the Warriors lose on Sunday, we assume either them or Memphis is going to beat a San Antonio team that doesn't have Derek White and is very beatable. They're not playing well at all right now. So you would win that, but then you'd have to go on the road for, for the 9-10 that is really the elimination game. If I had to predict what I think is going to happen, I think the Warriors are going to win Sunday. I think they're going to lose to the Lakers in the first play, and I would probably say they would beat Memphis again in Chase Center in the second play and be the eight seed against Utah. That would be the path I would predict, but that is like, there's a lot of unknowns there, and I just do feel like because of what Marcus is talking about, all this you know swirling positivity, people kind of have looked past the fact of, like, they still got a long way to go to even get in a series with Utah and Phoenix no question and that's where the that's where the season-long mediocrity comes in and this is this is the spot they've earned this is the way they've played 13 and 5 to this point in the last 18 is tremendous and they are playing at a high, higher level way higher level than they had been but 
to that point, they were four games under 500. So you are what your record says you are. That's a truism that's always, always going to be viable. And we'll see where they go. But these last two games were, were to top off 13 and 5. We're impressive. I think, you know, let's let's make sure we say that against two teams that wanted to win. You know, they're they're going for this top seeds. If Phoenix had won what was it last night, whatever night it was, you know, they would have a still shot had a shot at one. They got good players. They got Chris Paul. And I'll tell you one thing, the Warriors defense, we can talk about everything they do with Curry. We can talk about everything else that's flowing. But if they play this kind of defense with that kind of intensity, they're going to be in every game. They are. I mean, maybe a road game in Utah will be very tough for them if the threes fall. But that's for anybody. This defense is is for real right now. I really, I really do think that they're they're playing. I mean, I wouldn't say exceptional defense, but they're playing very good defense. I think maybe that Phoenix game gave them a bit of a blueprint for how to win, even when the shots aren't really falling. Play that level of defense. And to compensate for a disciplined veteran team selling out, trying to make you play left-handed, like Belichick used to say, just pound it, pound it inside, get buckets in the paint until the defense softens up. That might be a model for them uh, once they get to these elimination game settings where teams are just not going to let Steph get uh, any free and easy looks. Teams might say, okay, is Andrew Wiggins going to go for that again (laughs) in in a playoff game? We'll see. Maybe he will. He did it that night, but we'll see. And I think there's some agreement on this podcast. Unleash the pool is what I say. I mean, I could understand how an outsider who hasn't been watching the games, a a non Warriors watcher, non-Warriors fan would look at Poole and say, what's the big deal? What is he shooting from the field? 42%, something like that? I know the efficiency is slightly above average when you incorporate free throws and everything else, but then when you watch it and you can see that plays actually are getting made. The Warriors have had this problem recently in the postseason, the box and one problem where the ball gets kicked out and nothing happens with it. To me, it's amazing that Poole in his sophomore season is a positive plus minus guy. He's playing like three-fourths of his minutes without Steph Curry. I think that he's had in many ways a remarkable season, and they will need him, I think, more so than they've needed him in the regular season just because of the different kinds of defense uh, defenses that Steph Curry is going to be seeing in an elimination setting where these uh, opponents are going to plan and scheme. He's played well against the Jazz and Suns. You know, his breakout was they brought him back from the bubble. They went to Phoenix right before the All-Star break, and Steph and Draymond didn't play, and they kind of were like, all right, well, let's see if this translates. And he went out and he was like cooking Javon Carter and Jay Crowder, which he did again the other night in a couple isolation situations. And it was like, whoa, these are good defenders. You guys remember that night? It was like 25 in like a very low stress environment. But it was still like, eh, you know, it was like, you know, yes, he played a very good team, but he kind of did it in a G League way where they, you know, no curry. And then after that, he kind of obviously went on that roll. But you remember that game, which, you know, Wiseman played well in too, which was a home win over the Jets. You know, I think it was like an afternoon game and Poole was like played well down the stretch. I think had something like 20 in that game. They survived the non-Curry miss. It was the first time they put Poole, Mannion and Wiseman on the floor together, which was a risk at the time. Now it's just Poole remaining in the rotation. And he just put 20 off the bench in a row against the Jazz and Suns in back-to-back nights, which, you know, again, do we want to jump ahead? That could be their first round opponent. So, yes, to me, he's proven that... 
He should earn more minutes. And to me, whose minutes he should take, even though we're just talking about Michael thin, Baller. Yeah. Steph yes. Curry. No. Steph Curry. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> he should play more with Steph Curry. This is going to sound mean, but we've been mean about Mulder before. He's an NBA player. He's trying out there. But whose baskets, I don't care what the percentages are, whose buckets seem to always mean more, Jordan Poole's or Michael Mulder's? It's, it's Poole's buckets seem like they, they're worth five points sometimes just because of when they come, it's off of action that the defense isn't looking for. And Mulder's is always standing in the corner, wide open three that Curry creates, clank. You know, he'll, he'll go one for three, and the one will be kind of when they're already up by seven. And Poole's are like they're down by one, open court what's going to happen oh the ball just went in they're up two you get full credit for that stuff like that that's game turning stuff no question and he'll he'll clank three right i mean we know that but he'll take it he'll take it in confusing action he'll take it when it's really important and he's going to make a lot of them which again yeah i'd say this this run jordan Poole, jta and wiggins have been you know, we know how great steph and draymond are we can talk about them and we always do but those three, I think, have been just huge and significant, and it tells you about next season, too, I think. Per 36 minutes, what do you think the plus-minus is for Steph and Jordan Poole together on the floor? Just because of the way you presented that, I assume it's pretty <laughs> plus good. Plus 1,050. <laughs> Not quite there, but, but it's average. We're doing per game. Plus 8, 7 or 8. Plus 15.2. Oh, my goodness. Wow, wow. Well, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. He's going to get targeted. <laughs> like the other night, I was a little surprised. I did the postgame podcast with Nate, and he was really surprised that like Phoenix should have targeted him a bit more, tried to get him on Devin Booker. And, you know, like that is Kerr's concern, right? It's like these good teams will go, there's the 21 year old, there's like this, this smaller guard that, that doesn't really know where he's at defensively. Let's go after him. And in a series, maybe Monty Williams, you know, if that was game one of the series, maybe Monty Williams goes back to look, goes, if Jordan Poole's on the floor late in the game, we got to get Devin Booker in isolation, Chris Paul like you know to get to some of his his counter moves so so that will be something to monitor but it's not like michael Mulder's out there just like you know stopping people or baysmore for that matter yeah well he's talking you think chris paul sees a few fouls when he sees kent baysmore roaming around baysmore stopping them just because he puts his arm into their body and their body stops but i will say you know i'm sure the playoffs will be different that monty williams offense was not looking very fluid Uh, it was basically booker go get him you know, okay, CP3, go get it. It didn't have a lot of flow to it. Maybe and that was just two nights in a row, right? Because Phoenix yes, did the same oh, thing with Jordan oh, Clarkson. The Lakers. Yeah, and and all I'm saying, the Lakers. Do you see the Phoenix against the Lakers? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. same thing. Terrible. Yeah. Oh, it's but terrible. they just doubled Booker and was like, "Yo, he yeah. just he, he he doesn't handle doubles well." We saw that from that offseason video, right? Uh, it still hits me when I see that offseason video. For some reason, I always tell people, "Don't obsess on video. You're just seeing." But he's mad at somebody in a pickup For game, double team. Yeah, I know. It's like this is you're an NBA player. Get Joe used to it. Like, Noah. Not- <laughs> That is not a flowing offense right now. You just don't see it. Like the Jazz, whatever, that was, like, they got a flowing offense. It's going to be tough to just, just kind of trick them up defensively. They got so many shooters. Jordan Clarkson is not going to shoot the ball 33 times in a playoff game if either one of Conley or Mitchell's healthy. But the Jazz, I mean, the Suns, they haven't looked so good for a little while. We're talking in this right now. Uh, there's somebody who might be signing a contract. I wonder if it's happening right now anthony Slater. i think it'll be happening in a couple hours maybe an hour wouldn't it be better if it was happening right now it could whoever be, it was he honestly. couldn't sleep 
he said he was up at 5.30 a.m. because he couldn't sleep. This day, May 13th, 2021, is the day that Juan Toscano Anderson becomes a legitimate full contract NBA player. If he was that stoked for it, I'm sure right now the words go, man, we could have gotten him on that partial guarantee. That was the big drama of all this was he'd played himself into such a standing that he kind of had a little bit of a leverage in how he wanted next season's contract constructed a little bit they actually gave him a bit more money for this season which is tax money i think to ensure next season he would you know that wasn't going to be thorny and he was going to be looking for more than the minimum they have him on the minimum next season which at this point i think we'd all call a bargain it is fully guaranteed i think they were comfortable doing that because to them he's not going to camp trying to earn a spot yeah, next nah, season. He's, like he's, a, he's got you know spot. he they, he's got it so they're okay with that they actually wanted more control beyond next season which at this point he's betting on himself like you know they would love obviously to have tacked on a year maybe even at guaranteed but particularly obviously if it was non-guaranteed but no he'll be a free agent after next season that was the interesting part why they just didn't throw a few mil at him and lock him in tax money that i mean mean, will be my guess the third they don't believe in the sustainability of shooting 72 percent on two pointers i mean maybe that well i mean they are pretty easy two pointers they're like hey two defenders are over there and i'm (laughs) dunking over here like yeah, he's part of what they are. There's no, he's part of what they are. I think Ethan and I were talking about this before the show. He's he's ahead of Eric Pascal. Done. He's ahead of them. That's not even a debate right now. So if he's ahead of Eric Pascal, then he's on the, you know, he's in the rotation next season in, in some form or fashion. He, when Wiseman comes back, if they draft a forward, it doesn't matter. JTA is in the rotation in some form, and he has earned it. He's smart. He's smart defensively. He's basically Draymond when Draymond comes off the floor and in, in, in offensively and defensively, it's, you know, in a lesser version. But that's still who, who have been able to say that about in Draymond's history with the Warriors? Nobody. There's no been nobody who can duplicate some of the things that he does. JTA's earned this. You know, I'm someone who didn't see a huge role for him as long as Wiseman was on, you know, on the active roster. But give Juan Scott Anderson a huge credit for once. Wiseman was off the roster. This guy showed that he should have been playing more. No question he should have been playing more. Uh, and this is how you do it. You do it by playing. You do it by being good. You don't do it by any other way. And he's been excellent for them, certainly in the last 18 games. No question. I mean, it does validate some, some of what we've been talking about, which is that I don't think that they need Ubre next season. The guys that they can fill that role with, I mean, obviously Ubre helps the depth. But the guys that they can fill the role with have been punching well above their weight, especially on this on this recent run. And, and that does include Bazemore. And so it just seems like that was a, an attempt by the Warriors. They spent money to do it. They took a bet on a guy in his mid-20s that had shown flashes, had potential, had pedigree. But it does look like we've had enough evidence now to draw the conclusion. And it's probably... Warriors and Ubre probably not the most uh, mutually. I don't even know what to call it. It's just not beneficial. a great fit. Yeah, beneficial. It's just not a great fit. I'll give you the JTA stat that is glaringly important right now. Thirty-five of eighty-five from three. Forty-one percent from three this season. Very small sample size, but. If that is him, like right now, when he steps up for a three, including the other night, he hit two big ones, including one that got called off because it was like late shot clock, but he hit it and it, you know, it almost was ruled good. Like if he steps up for a three right now, you feel pretty confident in it. That's completely changed his career. So, TK, who do you feel more confident with, Mulder or JTA taking that three? Uh, and if it's during an important moment, I'll take JTA taking it. Absolutely. I, you know, again, I we crush him. It's, it's mean, but. 
There are guys like Michael Mulder who shoot great when it doesn't count, shoot wonderfully when it doesn't count, and then when it counts, they don't shoot great. We've seen it. We've seen him on the Warriors, and that's kind of who he is, and that's fine because he'll make them once in a while. But guys like JTA who do play two ways, who scrap, you know, who steal the ball, get in transitions, can finish in transition, and hit the three, those are and, and get and, under the skin of the opposing. Well, superstar. absolutely, everybody, yeah. yeah, everybody. He's like he's going out there, and Booker's a hothead, and JTA got 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 into him a you little. You think bit. JTA wants a wants a series long crack at Booker? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that would turn into a story. Yes, and CP3. But you know, we talk about Ubre, and obviously it's been a theme of mine. They play the Suns, who have CP3 and Devin Booker, right? Two guys you need to guard, two good outside threats. And the Warriors did just fine without Kelly Oubre, right? You know, you think they could use another one, and they probably could. Did they do just they fine? Did, they won the game. They won I the mean, game. Yeah, did they, they won, won a game? regular yeah, season I mean, game. Yeah, I mean, calm down. I, I, I just don't think <laughs> you, it's that. I don't, I don't think right, he's worth if you're, what if you're, he's, I don't Who think are you putting on Chris Paul in that situation? Who are you putting on Chris Paul? Well, they, who's, who they put Steph on him. Steph Curry. They, yeah, it's not for Steph Curry. You put Bazemore on him. And you put Wiggins on Booker, or you have, and you know... you're living with that? I think that's yeah, a setup. Okay. I no, think I that's think, a setup. I think I'll take that off the way it works offensively. Absolutely, I'll take the way that works offensively. And, you know, you need more out of Bazemore, but he gave you more in that game. Again, there's still a third unnamed third player that they'd have to have. I'm saying that third player for $4 million is going to give you just as much or more sometimes than Kelly Oubre at $18 million. That's been my point the whole time. Would you... Rather have Kelly Oubre than not have Kelly Oubre? Yes. Would you rather have Kelly Oubre at 18 or an A.V. Bradley-like player at $4 million? Give me the A.V. Bradley-like player at $4 million every single time. Silence? Nobody arguing with that one? Avery Bradley, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of, yeah. Avery, Avery Bradley is in complete decline. No, no, I said like play. I didn't say Avery okay, Bradley. Yeah, I'm right, say, yeah right. I said Avery Bradley like player. How about, yeah, how about Davion Mitchell? How about Davion, Davion Mitchell yeah, with, the, with the ninth oh, pick that you're getting absolutely. from the Timberwolves? Give me yes, a, yes, a, a top draft pick. Yeah, but I mean, how many players aren't you taking a top draft pick over in that middle tier? Like, if you take a 19 year old, you wouldn't want him in the rotation. But you know, you take Davion Mitchell to put him right in the middle of, of their rotation. I think they're fine. Hey, I'm not saying Damian Lee is better than Kelly Oubre, but if Damian Lee is giving him minutes, he's giving him some interesting minutes, and he's playing with Steph. Kelly Oubre, I don't want to play with Steph. So I just say if you're talking about an $18 million player who isn't too happy about coming off the bench, as he said himself, man, I'd rather have somebody who could be a role player, fit in and play with Steph, and then also be an offensive force in a second unit. Give me Damian Lee, whatever number that's going to be. I'll, let's take Avery Bradley like off. Let's just say Damian Lee. I'll take that, and, and let me use that salary for something else. We will be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I just feel that in the NBA incumbency, it weighs so heavily that we don't readjust our priors. That when a guy is drafted high, when he's athletic especially, um, he just gets a lot of chances and we keep waiting for something to happen and we don't just assess the evidence. We don't just look at the situation and say, look, when Kelly Oubre was playing, um, this team was not playing well overall this season. Certain games, yeah, but overall, what was he? He was in the minus. I think he was minus, minus four per 36, I think, off the top of my head. And when some of these guys who are unheralded were playing, the Warriors were in the positive. And... Yeah, that's not just about, you can say, watch the games, and stuff, but it's also just, if you watch the games, I mean, they were constricted. Teams could sag off him. He never passed, and he still has a lot of time in his career to maybe change some of those habits, but I just think it's a situation where guys who are considered to be worse, quote-unquote, contribute more to winning. That's just what I've seen this season. And that's like a baseball valuing there. But I think it's, you know, like, hey, if you can get a guy from a group of players who make 5 million tops, you do that versus a guy from a group of players who can make 18. If your guy making 5 million is better than that guy making 16 or two of those guys or three of those guys, that's very money ball. Uh, and Juan Toscano to, it doesn't yeah, work exactly. in the playoffs. Well, no, no, you need no, no, you need great players too. I, I mean, nobody's saying you know, I, I yes, just have a hard yeah. time turning down the most talented player because he doesn't fit. You tell me Ubre is never going to change and has no interest in being different. All right, give the minutes to Pool is what I say. You get, yeah, I mean, Pool's <laughs> if we want talent, <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. I'm saying if if you want the talent. If you want the talent, then I'm I'm going with the talented guy who at least is going to open things up on offense. You're telling me now that's not what you're. We're not talking about Ubre or Pool. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about you in the playoffs and you got to guard Bogdan Bojanovic or Devin Booker or De- or or Donovan Mitchell. You're telling me you're putting Jordan Poole on him? You literally have to answer these questions. You have to. But at least those guys then have to guard Poole on the other side. I don't think don't that's they happening. Don't. With there, are, there are other players that, that will guard them. That's 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 the whole part of a team. You're telling me, you're telling me before this year, you would have said Jordan Clarkson has this much value? You wouldn't have said that. I'm just saying you, you take talented players, you find a fit for them, and you make it work. I'm not even saying Kelly Oubre has to be that. When is Ubre getting buckets like Clarkson? I mean, it's we talk about talent. When was talent. Clarkson getting buckets like Clarkson? The, the, before iro- this the year? ironic, the, the ironic thing <laughs> no, is no, that Clarkson, Ubre is Clarkson's talented. Clarkson's always been Clarkson's always been a scorer. He's, he's always never been. He's about to win like six man. He was. My point is, you wouldn't have said this would be Clarkson before this was Clarkson. That's my point. Marcus, can I ask you though? Like, do you think? I, I, it kind of seems like Steve Kerr and Steph Curry and Draymond Green, like their their preferred style and and their stubbornness to that style, has proven this season that they want to play like this, and that doesn't fit Ubre. Where you're right is like you know more flexibility at times can be very good in the NBA. Like a guy like Greg Popovich has shown flexibility to the personnel, but Kelly Oubre clearly doesn't fit how the Warriors prefer to play. And right now, while, while we complained all season about it, right now the Warriors are kind of proving like they, this is just better for them. So maybe Kelly Oubre just does not fit them at all, even though he could fit others. I agree, but I, I actually think he fits how Steve Kerr wants to play. He doesn't fit how Steph Curry wants to play, and that's the problem. That, that It's not 
Draymond loves Ubre, loves him. So it's not necessarily the defensive issue. It's it's the it's the reason the Warriors took off is because they decided to play the best style for Steph Curry. Yes, yeah, it's the, an offensive they don't have thing. a problem with yeah, it's offense. What are we talking about when we say talent is the other thing? Are we talking about shooting? Because I don't really see that. Are we talking about assists? Are we talking about passing vision? Because I don't really see that. I think we're talking about athleticism, and that's great. But defensive acumen matters. You put you put Kent Bazemore on a superstar at the end of the games. He's going to get cooked. Period. Yeah. How many times Ubre locks somebody down at the end of the game? I don't recall a lot of that. I don't, I don't recall that. I, I recall him making steals I, I, at half court, but I don't recall him saying, Yeah, you can oh put him God, on a point Ubre's guard. Up. Yes, you can put him on a point guard. Like, nah. that that has no value with the Warriors? I, I think, I, I, where am I saying it no, has no value? I'm saying he's going to cost $16 million. No, over no. The long term. Well, he what you're saying is, deal. like, grab a minimum vet dude and just throw him on, and that's better. Yes, I'm saying, because I'm saying, you use the money I'm saying it's not. I'm just saying it's yeah. not. I'm saying I'm saying Kent, I'm saying Kent Bazemore has been talent. better for the Warriors than Kelly Oubre, period, this season. There is not a doubt. There is not a doubt in my mind. And he's a minimum veteran. He's All right. We've devolved veteran. too deep into yeah. Kelly Oubre yeah. conversations. He's at yeah. this point not even really part of the, the rotation <laughs> at this point. What are the chances he can come back? What are the... Uh, uh, not the, high. Not, not high, high, to be honest. It's kind of, I, I'm saying there's, there, there's the musk of David Lee going down, is all I'm saying, with the Oubre situation. The musk of David Lee. That's all I'm saying. Well, let's just say this. Okay, they're playing really well right now. And the other guy who's not playing is James Wiseman. Can James Wiseman fit into what they're doing here? Or should they even try to do it next season when he's healthy? Nah, he's done. You got to go. You got to go. Just get get Looney and grab another big from somewhere. The sense I get is they will flip into a completely patient developmental yes, path for him. They will yes. they will ease him in with a knee injury, and they'll use that as a way to be like, look, he's going to come off the bench. He's going to like – Second you know, get, unit. Yeah, yeah. And then when he is on the court, you know, the, the, they'll have units that they feel like fits him. And, and I think I think Steve Kerr does, and he, I think he knows this, needs to show a bit of flexibility of like, it, you know, they're not going to make him do DHOs and float around and do bogut stuff. Like when he's on the court, he'll be running pick and rolls. And, you know, if he doesn't make sense in closing lineups at all next season for the first three months, he just won't be in them. And I don't think they're going to trade him because I don't think they there's necessarily a sense that his value is on the market this summer will be nearly what they still believe his prospect value is long term. I think they just start to view this as a as a uh, next era project that's going on at the same time that they're still trying to win with next season's team. And, and maybe that's not the right value play. And we'll see what other like potential offers might be on the table. But my expectation is Wiseman will be on the team next season. And they'll just be trying to slowly develop him while also trying to win the title. And, and, and that you know that's not easy. But that's what I expect to be going down. And if he gives them more, he gives them more, right? You know, like this season, I just think it's clear. They saw so much from him in those early workouts before training camp that they went, this guy just has to play, right? They, they just made that quick decision. He's so talented. And we saw some video of it. He's just taking, an, taking a defense rebound, taking six dribbles and dunking or whatever. You know, these athletic things that nobody else can do at seven feet tall. But then he starts playing, and it doesn't fit so good. So I think they got hit with the, they, they kind of shot too high with him by getting overexcited early on, and then got disappointed because it didn't work when they start him in game one. And they do, you know, they they build a lot of things based on what James Wiseman's going to do this season. And it's just better if you just pull it back. You know what? You're 20 years old. 
play 15 minutes a game. Kevon Looney and probably you know Marquise Chris or some other center is going to have to be in that mix because we know they played a ton of centers. And yeah, he's a second unit center. I think that's and and maybe the injury helps him slow it down a little bit. And where there's not like rush, 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 get him in there, get him in there. I was one of the rush, rush, rush people because you see the talent. But this 13 and 5, which could end up in 15 and 5, it could end up whatever it's going to end up. I think it's it's the, the key to slowing it all down for James Wiseman. I don't think he, yeah, I don't think after a summer of whatever, he's well, going to jump right in. It's a big yeah, slowdown. No thing. question. That too. That too. They can mitigate some of the damage he did to the cause by going away from the post-up game. I just don't think that's his future. Maybe I'm calling it too early. I don't know. I think he's a face-up guy, and I think whatever they're working on in the offseason has to be devoted to that. It's about developing that outside shot. It's about pump-faking off of that shot and not traveling. And if he's got that, if he can model his game more off a, a Chris Bosh than a, God, I don't know what kind of player I'm thinking of, a Greg Monroe, Al it's Jefferson. It's about defense, too. You well, know, yeah. He's just, you know, that's next season's thing is he just needs to be, become increasingly more survivable defensively. Like, can you put him out there and just survive? And it's funny. You look, you look at Looney and you go, what is he really doing out there defensively? I mean, it's just a subtle step in the right direction. It's a lean knowing which way the ball is going. Because he's not doing, like, he's not super. And that's Wiseman's issue. He's, like, reacting to everything and doing two steps one way, three steps the other way, and then he's completely out, out, out of position. And Looney just stays where he's supposed to stay. He doesn't rush anywhere. And, by the way, he's rebounding. I, I guess I, we should give him kudos for that, uh, the Looney lane here. He, he's re- rebounding like hell right now. He's tremendous on, on the boards. And that's what, yeah, Wiseman just, like, economy of motion maybe would be a, a supreme thing for him. I think it's that, and Looney, by reputation, when you talk to the coaches, is a scouting report superstar. He understands what the guy's move is, what shoulder he turns off, where he likes it on the court, and exactly what to do. Now, I, I don't know how hard Wiseman studies up, and I don't know how easy it is for him to incorporate what he does study up on in the heat of the moment this early juncture of his career. That is the hidden value of Looney is just studying and just knowing and knowing some of the things that that we don't necessarily know going into it. So I think it's it's definitely a learning process for him. I talked to Looney about what it was like when he was Wiseman's age on, on this team in this situation. And as much as we're praising the Warriors, I don't think that they're the best organization at bringing in young talent and understanding um, what young guys need. I think Looney felt very much like he was on the outside looking in first couple seasons, and he made it, you know, and Wiseman, it will be up to him ultimately. But I think it's also a learning process for the Warriors is what I'm saying. I mean, the idea that Wiseman didn't miss just one test, but he missed two tests uh, when he missed those coronavirus tests off of the All-Star break, yeah, that's on Wiseman, but that's also perhaps a situation where the Warriors just have the expectation that, their players are all veterans who have been to the finals multiple times and they don't have to do some handholding. I, I think they might have they might have learned some lessons that they got to do some handholding. With the He's not yet as guy. mature as Sean Livingston? No way. I know. Um, I'm just shocker. saying, man, the dude no. speaks Mandarin. Like, yes, he on. does. That is true. <laughs> um, by the way, when Looney, we also remember when Looney was as old as Wiseman, that was like 27 years ago. So, you know, it was a different era. Different Benjamin era. He Button, was smoking. On, he, he, he was smoking cigarettes in the locker room. I remember interviewing him. Garden George Mikan. These are off-season conversations. We have a playoff. I was getting ready to say. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> wait, hey. So hold up, Slay. Before you go, um, 
a lot of what we're talking about, like what how the Warriors are succeeding, I mean, one of the real reasons is that Draymond is playing more five, right? And they're getting to go small, and Draymond is highlighted. We've been saying all year, you know, no Wiseman, no Oubre. It's a big part of it that, you know, Steve just doesn't believe you can play Draymond like this for too long of a stretch. And is he is he right about that? Because Draymond's shooting 50% from the field over the last two months. And so we're seeing a nice chunk of time where Draymond is looking really good and, and getting better and stronger. Is Steve right that you can't do this as a steady diet and, and the need for a wise man is actually there? Well, you know, how much longer is Draymond Green going to last? You know, and to me, like if, if we're really talking about the wise man, particularly at this point, and, and we can we don't have to go back and debate why they picked him. But what James Wiseman now at this point is like a 2023 thing. You know, he's 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 beyond Draymond. He's next era and and maybe traded in between then. But I'm just saying in this moment, I mean, like Draymond could survive in spurts. But I think part of the reason like Draymond is revving it up now, like they keep acting like Draymond has had this unbelievable season. I don't think he's had that great of a season. I think he's had a great month. I think he's had a great month and a half. I think he's had defensive spurts here and there. He is a center now. And, and Eric Pascal is a center, I guess, at this point. Everyone's a center. You know, power forwards have now just been shifted down. If you can't shoot threes, you're a center. Russell Westbrook last year, the Rockets started calling him their center because he doesn't shoot jumpers. Or that's when he stopped shooting jumpers. So, sure. Uh, Dr- Draymond Green makes a lot more sense as a center. It's it's kind of the modern NBA. It's it's what makes the Wiseman pick more questionable, but I can't sit here and question it because I was a proponent of it. <laughs> you know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash. Or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant. Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. I would hope that Steve 
is right in the sense that he's saving up for this moment to do it a whole lot. That's what I would say. And I think that there is a lot of validity to that, that you're going to burn him out if you are just doing this in the regular season game after game. But now you lose, you go home. And it's their most potent look is Draymond at center. It's one of the reasons why I said what I said at the beginning of the podcast, and I wrote what I wrote, that I think this is a better playoff team than it is a regular season team. It's not just, let's say, the injuries that might have helped them in the aggregate. It's also this, that Draymond at center is a chaotic look for the opposition. It's hard to contend with when Steph is also on that counterattack with him. And I just think they're gonna have to they're gonna have to use it a whole lot. Maybe you have a, a little bit of Looney to supplement it to not have him out there the whole time, but it's gotta be the bulk of the attack. I think you're gonna need him in most minutes if they're gonna make some noise in the playoffs. You know, I look at this kind of the reverse of of saying should Draymond play center, it's do they have a forward who can match him with and be a good versatile four? And when they had Iguadala and Durant and Harrison Barnes, they could do it because those guys could guard big, guard it up. They could still be threats, you know, in the break and on at the three line, and be a power forward and kind of you know share that big man position, even though they're not a big man with Draymond, and be versatile and move the ball. It quickens them up. You can't have a four who slows you down if Draymond is your five. And guess what? That's where JTAs fit in with this. It's like they didn't have that guy. Who would have been that guy? It was Ubre, I think, for a little bit. It's not clearly not Pascal. Guess what? JTA is that kind of guy, which again just adds to the JTA value that can run with Draymond when Draymond's the five. That can guard up, can guard, you know, bigs, you know, can can whack the ball away, can get in transition. That's what speeds them up. It doesn't help you if Draymond's the five and you have a slow four. It doesn't help you if Draymond's the five and you have a weak four. You've got to have a versatile Durant, Iguodala, Harrison Barnes four when 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 they're playing small. They got and Wiggins JTA's though, the, right? That's yeah, Wiggins. Wiggins is can't he doesn't go up like that. Yeah, he doesn't quite That's go Wiggins. up like that. Yeah. Uh, Did you see JTA's the live he caught? Guy. What do you mean? Did you? See? Hey, you know, you know, up, you know, guard up, guard I know. up. Like do you know? That. Guard do you know? Who, like you know who goes up? You know who goes up? Michael Mulder. Michael Mulder. No, go ahead. Kelly Oubre. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, he's good at that. He's good at that. No, he's very, he's very good at that. He does that. That's true. I'm just saying it takes a, a a special kind of forward to pair with Draymond at the five. And we've seen what it is. And JTA gives them a lot of those things. And you've got to spread the floor. you got to play some defense. you got to be able to switch. It's not Eric Paschal. You know, and Wiggins is, like, is much more comfortable playing just a pure small forward. JTA, there's there's your value. Should have got more, JTA. I could have I negotiated for you. Uh, extreme value with the Warriors in, in, when they go small. Extreme value. The consensus, though, is that this is not something they can lean into. Like, I mean, they're clearly a better. No, I mean, like next season in the future. Like, I do agree with Kerr that you don't want to play Draymond a full season at center. I just, I, they, they, you're not going to get the end effect that you want, which is Draymond at center at his best going into the playoffs, which is what they've got right now. I think it would wear him down. I think we'd see more injuries. You know, we, this is one of the few times he hasn't gone in the end of the season with an injury, right, or some some issue, and who knows what's going to happen. But like you want, you want a fresh Draymond, and I think Draymond playing it like this on this sort of schedule is the way you want. And so he, you can get, you can go into the playoffs saying, okay, he's going to play twenty minutes at center. Period. Whoever we're playing, he's playing twenty minutes at center. I don't know. You could do that if he'd been worn down all season. How long do you think Draymond's going to last? 
Well, he's on, he signed for what three more three more years, right? So uh, three more years, yeah. No, he's on the books for big money for three more years. For you know, basically twenty five a year or so. And you know, that's the that's the big question. Uh, we'll we'll see how he looks over the next couple of weeks. You got to go year by year uh, if you're planning for basketball. But you st- you do have Wiseman, so like if you say, if you say okay, we play that's it like kind of my point on it. Yeah, you play like this. you play you play like this for another year. You play like this for another year. You see where Wiseman is at the end of next season, and you plot from there. I, I think you really got to go year by year with Draymond at this point. You have to go year by year with Steph, not in the same dynamic, but can you go, okay, Steph's going to be an MVP caliber player for the next three years. You, you cannot say that. You can't say that about anybody who's 34 years old. It's amazing that we are saying about it, saying it about Steph now at 34. So, you know, if you go year by year with how you judge this, I think you, at least you have Wiseman. You can start to shift it when you feel like Wiseman's ready to take it over, whenever that is, and that might not be for two years. I'm texting a Warriors coach the fifteen point two Steph and Pool together stats. So if if Pool is awful in the postseason, you know maybe maybe you can blame me. Ethan, Ethan behind the scenes, mastermind. Just nudging the Ouija board in the directions I, I want it to go for the articles I want to write. That's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing behind the scenes. I'm just will it be a to, disappointment uh, if, if it's not Warriors, Lakers in the play in? Yes, I think it will be. But I mean I I mean it's all it's all building up to that. It would be a tremendous I think it would be a very tough game for the Warriors, but I think it would be tremendous to watch. LeBron still hasn't come back for the yeah, but he was, was talking. Yeah. He's gone. I mean, he should come soon. back it's Saturday. Yeah, yeah. But they keep pushing it, it's it so back. Weird. And- the reporting is so weird. It's like his ankle is the most amazing ankle you have ever seen. It is shining in the light. It has never been stronger. <laughs> and then it's, and he's, okay, it's, we're going to push it back a week. Uh, okay, we're going to push it back more. It's just that high ankle sprain is tough, man. That's a tough injury. That's not like a regular, that's not like a regular common ankle sprain. I don't know what to think. I just know that even if he's compromised, the Lakers are still scary. Not just because of Anthony, not just because of Anthony Davis, but because they're big and they've got veterans. They're like the kryptonite. Yeah, they're the opposite of what the Warriors are. Yeah, Frank Vogel has them as like the top defense in basketball for a long stretch without Davis and LeBron. Like that is just like a sharp veteran, well coached defense. Davis, while he sat with a groin injury recently, and I do worry about his health over the long haul of the playoffs, when he has played recently, he's been back to his old self. He's getting like 42 15s and a bunch of block. I will say, not against Draymond. There's one guy who's guarded him pretty well his whole career is Draymond. I just remember Draymond. I, I remember Draymond in the in the locker room in that first. This is a long time ago, but uh, it was the the twenty fifteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That playoff series against the Pelicans, and it was that crazy comeback that had that crazy Steph shot. Uh, and we were in the locker room afterwards, and I remember we were all in there, and Draymond and you were talking and talking. You were asking about how Davis would just start killing. Draymond at the beginning of the game and then over time he would fade and he would fade and he would fade and then it was Draymond who was making plays at the end of the game and you asked him you asked him about it and you asked Draymond but how come you don't fade and Draymond looked at you and he just pounded his chest and he yelled because I'm all hot motherfucker 
was, that's my memory. That's my memory of that matchup. How did that not get in the book? I did not see that in a victory machine. Uh, uh, it not enough Draymond in the book. That's not the Draymond book. If KD had said it, that's in the book. In the book. <laughs> KD would have been like, <laughs> because you said this and that about me. <laughs> Our Ethan's getting punched right over. He's about to say something he shouldn't. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think he might have already, by the way. Uh, Is it better for the Warriors if Portland somehow falls to the seven? Yes. Oh, yes. 100%. No question. No question. Yeah, they got they got a hex on Portland that is explainable in many ways, but is unexplainable in some other ways. And they just beat Portland. I think they would love that. I think they would love that. Portland has the 29th ranked defense. They have bench units that include Ennis Cannon and Carmelo Anthony. They're more exploitable. They're much. And their strength is the Warriors' strength in a sense, right? Like, yeah. The people, I mean, it's funny. It's like the Lakers are the team that the Warriors don't want to see, but that's the team everybody wants them to play, right? That's what we want to see. But yeah, there's no question. There's no question that matchup is nowhere uh, near as. If they got Portland to one win and you're in the playoffs, geez, that would be perfect for it and if you happen to lose you get another swing at it that would be like an ideal play-in setup for them having gone through the season they've gone through if it's that setup yeah if the lakers keep winning i think wait, if the lakers keep winning there aren't there they're the six and, and portland's the seven or some like, no portland has to go portland or dallas has to go oh and two and the lakers have to go two and oh at this point oh, okay i thought it was I, oh i thought seven. the lakers i thought the lakers would get in but if it's Portland, jeez. It was yeah, we last night. The the Lakers without Davis and LeBron barely survived barely the Rockets. Yeah, and yeah. if they had lost that game, which they almost did, I think they needed like you know a Kuzma floater with like five seconds left. Then it, they would already be locked into seven. So it's After very THT very likely. got stopped trying to hit the game winner. He kicked it out to Kuz who came through the cliff. Yeah. They're very weird. likely to be seven. But to me, I you know I keep saying it. Memphis is the team. I'm writing. I'm writing a basically a Warriors Memphis preview because essentially it's it might even end up being a two game you know series for the playoffs because it's like the the battle for eight and then what's probably because I think the Lakers will beat either then it's probably going to be like the real play in elimination eight versus nine once one of them beats San Antonio. So Memphis is the team Warriors followers and their coaching staff and scouting need to really be focused on. That's the team they need to beat. They're just not fun to think about. I mean, that's that's what it is. Like, compared to the Lakers. I think they're more Lakers, fun than people believe. Yeah, they got some good players. They got some good players. They got some good players. But the Lakers, that's just that's epic. It was, the thing that's on everybody's mind that, that we're not talking about, but everybody's thinking about it, is just the theater, the drama, the suspense of the Warriors potentially pulling the little giants. I'm sounding like Fitz. An impossible, an impossible win, a miracle. Warm up the bus, baby. Warm up the bus. It's over. Forget about it. This is terrible. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. But, yeah, like them pulling off an upset in a playoff situation against the Lakers and putting LeBron in peril, it's hard not to think about that and to overlook Memphis and the other scenarios just because, let's face it, if that happens – at that point, it's like the season's a success. At that point, it's 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 a success, and nobody cares about any of the any of the downsides, any of the downturns, any of the disappointments. The fact that they're in the play-in instead of the actual playoffs, none of that matters if they if they uh, help the Lakers possibly get eliminated. I think that that is that it's hard not to think about it, even though we all agree that that's a very tough matchup for them. I don't think we know how tough of a matchup it is. I do think Memphis is a really good team. They they're dangerous. They're men with Jackson. They're just better. 
but I mean, people watched. But the Warriors beat them uh, pretty, uh, pretty, pretty well, and then lost the game they probably should have won, both without Steph Curry, right? So in Memphis, so I just don't think people see them as the threat. And that's why it's probably not your focus on. But I'm sure when Slater's done, they're going to be like, oh, man, them Grizzlies. You better they're, watch they're out. They're not the threat that the Lakers are, but they're just the team they have to be. They're not the an playoff. easy win. Yeah, they're not They're the, not going to be a pushover. The Lakers, all. I assume, is going to be a loss, but they don't have to beat the Lakers to get in the playoffs. That's the big thing. They have to beat the Grizzlies to get in the playoffs. And that, to me, is the difference. And the other thing with the Lakers, as far as matchups go, like LeBron, we've seen it this season. LeBron just reads everything they do off ball. And that team is every play they got. (laughs) And they're such a good defense. Like they just handcuff the Warriors offense. So that's a problem. And and it's LeBron and AD. That's not good. LeBron and LeBron and AD. LeBron and AD. That's uh, that's just two things. Number one, we all know Ethan really just wants to see his game so we can see what the ratings are and then compare (laughs) it to to what eventually is the finals ratings. I've been thinking about that. It is on my mind. Like, it is crazy. I mean, can we say as an aside now, the NBC is nearly done. The fact that the Warriors are the second biggest draw in basketball, despite being, as we've said, average the whole time, I think speaks to how they have become, at least with Steph, like a public team versus the absolute dregs of the NBA before Steph, who nobody would watch. And I think that that is... Just a cultural, a cultural uh, phenomenon. Worth and who's doing. number one? Is it the New York Knicks, maybe? It is might it have been Knicks? if the Knicks, no, like, if the like, Knicks actually Lakers. got put on TV. <laughs> Lakers, Lakers and, and frankly, I don't even really know if they're the biggest draw. I mean, it sort of depends on how you view it. But uh, I I think if you, if you start parsing the matchups, you could argue that the Warriors were a bigger draw on account of uh, LeBron getting hurt at least this season. But yeah, I think it's Lakers, Warriors, and then everybody else. And my number two thing I'm going to get just absolutely laughed off the podcast about, I need to go do a Laker podcast forum club where I think we're actually even going to preview the likely Warriors-Lakers playoff. So so listeners, you can can end the podcast. These guys are going to keep talking about ratings or whatever. He's going to go, hey, Frank Vogel, when you want to beat the Warriors, here's what you got to (laughs) do. One, two, three. You can stop this podcast and go over to the forum club and listen to the play-in preview, but I got to go to that. Uh, The forum club, like you're like you're hanging out with Jack Nicholson. Uh, incredible. I'm going to go it right now. It's like the forum club, the actual forum club, right? Or the red carpet drop off. The forum club, when, when there was forum boxing with Jerry Buss actually in attendance. Oh, my. I'll just say, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Inglewood, baby. I feel like that's a good cue anyway. If we note, notes later, Lakers, it's time for Ethan to go do some work. All right, guys. Peace out. Anthony, you know me well, buddy. Y'all have a great night. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.